Welcome to the Gym Session, brought to you by Sportsmate Mobile and Footy Live. It's time to chat all things football with your host, Jimmy Sabo. Hello and welcome to the Gym Session. My name is Jimmy Zabo. I'm here thanks to Sportsmate Mobile, TLA and the Footy Live app. Make sure you download the Footy Live app for all your stats, scores, highlights, news and opinions. We're recording on Tuesday the 6th of April, a day after the Easter Monday clash between the Cats and Hawks. And you can always tell when the Hawks lose because you don't hear from those brown and gold mates all week. Jeff Kennett complains about something new and the umpires are trending on Twitter. Now, all fans do do it, but especially this weekend, despite the fact we did have nine brilliant storylines from each game and footy's never been better, fans persist in blaming the umps for results. And I'm looking straight at Nicoli Mina here. It annoys me. If you're actually relying on the umps to determine a game, you're already pretty naive. I mean, it is frustrating when the AFL sends them out without their guide dogs, but we do have to be better. So hashtag the gym session. Give me your opinion, please, on that. My opinion is that the umpires had no real impact on any of the results over the weekend, apart from maybe the North game. They should have lost by about 200 rather than 21 goals. But it does frustrate me. But something it doesn't is what's coming up on the podcast. We've got former Brisbane and Collingwood player Patrick Carnezes coming on for a chat. And then Gordo and Nico will come on to give you the Monday Review panel on a Tuesday and Nick will surely complain about those umpires a little bit more. Uh, we'll, we'll also get to your tweets and emails as well. Um, but first, let's get to our wonderful round recap brought to you this week by Gordo. Yes, Jimmy! Hadn't we read this script before? The Lions were caught napping to only roar into action late and then be heartbroken, except this time, prowling Zach was able to bail Brisbane out of the trouble with a clutch kick after the siren. Cub no more, Bailey will be considered a big-time Lion. For now, like other Brisbane buzzer beater, Ash McGrath. It's all black and white for the Pies at the moment, however, as Keystone Ruffman Brody Grundy is left in the grey zone, dominating the ruck but having his tap sharp quicker than the last piece of flake on Good Friday. Brisbane 11-7-73 defeated Collingwood 11-6-72. The Bulldogs are more unforgiving than Pontius Pilate as the Roos got crucified on Good Friday. English majored three times, in fact, while Bruce scored a perfect 10. Trelaw made his exes jealous as the Roos were like school kids waiting for Z-Bell to ring. Although he never did. There was nothing noble about that performance as North head further south. Western Bulldogs 25-17-167 defeated North Melbourne 5-9-39. Usually Good Friday is a day for restraint, but no one told Taylor Walker that. He yet again filled his bag to the tune of 6 goals and 12 score involvements. 17 goals in 3 games has Adelaide feeling like the Crows of old, but the pride of South Australia is back in the 8. As we wind our clocks back for daylight savings, the Suns' season already seems to be setting as tight losses and injury concerns leave Gold Coast in the lurch. Coach Jew will need his wits about him to replace their fallen captain. Adelaide 14-11-95 defeated Gold Coast 12-13-85. Enjoy a sleep-in on Saturday? Maybe you got away for the weekend. Well, so did the Tigers, who didn't even bother to show up to the MCG on Saturday. Sydney's young Sydneys were hungrier than toddlers at an Easter egg hunt, but that was nowhere near as selfish with six multiple goal kickers. Coach Horse is trying to maintain his long face, but make no mistake, these bloods should be feared this season. Sydney 17-15-117 defeated Richmond 10-12-72. Just as though you thought your tips couldn't get any worse, the Bombers flew up to almost guarantee that you're tipping under five this week. Jake had the ball on a string, Hooker reeled in a haul of five, while Jordan Ridley made sure that the only entries St Kilda were making on Saturday was to the pearly gates. Jake Steele was the only saint to hold firm, but this week will be spent soul-searching for St Kilda. Essendon 22-11-143 defeated St Kilda 9-14-68. Saturday night's heavyweight battle felt more like Mayweather versus McGregor than Ali versus Fraser, as by half-time most viewers would have switched off. 
While the Eagles went home to roost in the final quarter, the scoreboard couldn't hide Port's power outage. The Eagles captain would have been a shoo-in for BOG, but now the medics are more concerned with him than the media after yet another Hampton flare-up. West Coast 16-12-108 defeated Port Adelaide 11-5-71. And on the third round, they would roll the stone away and rise again. Yes, as prophesied by the ancient scriptures, the Blues proved the haters wrong and claimed an Easter Sunday win against the travelling Dockers. Yes, Fremantle were hardly competitive foes, but Carlton fans will tell you you can only beat who's in front of you, and for a change, it wasn't themselves. Harry Mackay enjoyed a feast of silver service football from Sam Walsh and co, kicking seven whilst co-captain Patrick went from cripple to champ and overflowing stat sheet to boot. Emerging from under the radar was Lockie Fogarty, who is proving to be better value than the Blues hot cross buns on Easter Monday. Carlton 16-13-109 defeated Fremantle 9-10-64. Forget on the couch, Jared and Gary would have been jumping off their respective chaise lounges on Sunday night, for Melbourne had not looked this good since Greg Healy was skipping the D's in the 90s. Yes, Melbourne fans' footy is back to looking like it did in the 80s and 90s, and so are the D's. Conversely, Leon Cameron may never look at a camera ever again. But since making their mark went to air, the stain hasn't left the Giants. Their injury list is now as bad as their percentage and neither look like improving anytime soon. Melbourne 15-12-102 defeated the Giants 11-2-68. Geelong is a city always looking for a point of difference from their Melbourneian counterparts, but surely only playing three quarters of football isn't the promotional material that the city council is looking for. The reverse is true for the Hawks, who only seem to want to play footy in the second half, but who are we to question the bird whisper of Clarko? Isaac Smith got to brush up on his bubble readings, getting the full Judas treatment from the Hawthorne fans. But it was Guthrie and Duncan who tucked into Monday's leftovers that were available due to Dangerfield's absence. Geelong didn't look great and Hawthorne lost, so for the neutral, it was the perfect way to end the long weekend. 10-9-69, Geelong defeated Hawthorne, 9-10-64. Today's guest is one of the most professional, personable and generous people you're ever likely to meet. His time on the footy field was limited due to injuries and unfortunate circumstances, but the impact he had in his relatively short career on and off the field will never be forgotten by the people around him. He averaged more than a goal a game during his 25 senior matches for Brisbane and Collingwood and retired at the young age of 23 to pursue other interests outside of footy. This man is one of the very few people who can truly say they've achieved their childhood dream of not only playing AFL, but running out for his beloved Magpies at the home of football against the Arch Enemy. Post AFL, he's won a premiership for West Preston Lakeside and worked as a diversity programs manager at AFL Victoria and manager of industry and partnerships at Melbourne United. It's my great pleasure to welcome my stronger, taller and more talented twin brother, according to those at AFL Victoria, Patrick Carnezes. How are you, mate? Oh, very well, very well. Thanks for having me. No problem, mate. One of the highlights of my life, obviously, was at AFL Vic when employees said I looked exactly like you during my internship. Uh, I thought they were very generous. Out of all the things you've achieved, mate, in 20 year, 28 years on this planet, what's what's been the one highlight for you, other than being dubbed as my twin, of course? Oh, no, that's, uh, I think that's a compliment for me as well, mate, so <laughs> don't, uh, don't take that too lightly. But, um, no, I guess from... From my perspective, James, there's been a, a lot of different things I can say I'm, I'm definitely proud of and I guess honoured in a sense uh, to, to have achieved. Now, uh, football's a part of that as well. Uh, I guess uh, committing to something as, as a young kid and, and uh, I guess going through the, the programs around you know getting drafted and, and, mm. 
and become a and becoming a professional athlete. Now that was an achievement in itself, but obviously there's other things in life, um, and I think uh, for me personally, uh, family, which is really important, um, and I guess uh, education, which is a, a big part of my life as well, and then. We live in a very cruel world these days, and I think uh, making sure that we're always trying to better ourselves in, in different aspects of life um, is the way I view it. So I think, uh, yeah, I think there's, there's many things uh, you know that are, that I'm definitely proud of. Yeah. And so, what are you what are you currently up to now? Yeah. So I definitely have taken a, a bit of a, a turn in my career. So uh, it's fair to say now, well, I can confidently say that I am I am a business owner, mm-hmm. uh, which is part of my family business now. Um, I, I transitioned into the company uh, about a year and a half ago, so just prior to, to COVID. Um, now, I guess uh, my old man started up the company 20 years or so, and being a family-orientated business, I, I made the move post-Melbourne United where I was managing uh, corporate partnerships and sponsorships, which was a big passion of mine, and, and dealing with people and client liaising and, and, and networking. You know, with a variety of different companies and, and people, um, but yeah. So now I've definitely moved into the family business where we are an integrated service provider, so the cleaning, maintenance, and traffic management um, integrated service, which is definitely a different field, but yeah. it all intertwines in a sense where you, you've got staff, you're dealing with people, um, and I, I tend to see a lot of similarities in varying businesses and things that I've done because it's all ultimately uh, the same thing. We're all trying to do better in our lives. We're all trying to better our businesses, um, our, per, you know, our own development skills. And, yeah, it's, it's sometimes uh, a bit refreshing being on the other side. Do, do you miss footy at all? I know you're not playing anymore. I think you retired mm. officially after winning that flag with West Preston in 2018, I think it was. Do you miss AFL or even local footy? Uh, if I was going to be... Brutally honest, um, and in a respectful way yeah. to myself, probably um, I don't. I don't, and, and that's uh, an honest answer. Where I have a lot of people ask me this question around, "Do I miss football? Or was it, you know, was football ready for you?" Um, but no, I don't miss football. I definitely do miss, um, I guess, the environment in a way where I came across some really good people, um, some made some really strong friendships and relationships, but. I guess the way I looked at my career and all my career progression, even from a young kid, um, in anything we do, I've always had a strong belief that you need to really enjoy and be passionate and and have a true love Mm. for that specific thing you're doing, whether that's sport, business, education, whatever that that falls into or what category it falls into. But um, no, I don't. And that's just me being, being brutally honest now. You know, I finished up at a at a very young age to, to sort of focus and put all my energy in other in other areas, and you know, even even something as simple as travel. Um, you know, I wanted to travel around the world once I finished um, playing football. But you've also got to be be realistic at the same time. But um, yeah, football was a part of my life. I'm, you know, obviously, um, but. It's just another chapter that you know we all sort of go through, and I've had so many learning experiences uh, from that small part of my life. Yeah, was it when you say you don't miss it? Was that because it was too restrictive in in that environment? And you said you've you've really got to love something. Did you fall out of love with the game because of the way the system was in the AFL? Oh, I guess I guess 
for me, it was one of those things where being, I guess, yeah, you can sort of see early. And if I was to look back now as I was going through, you know, uh, KAC Cup and State Footy, um, I guess for me it was one of those things where I wasn't necessarily uh, connected with the game. Now, not to say or, or you know, toot my own corn it's, uh, or pump up my tyres, you know, I was just, I was sort of talented at a, at a sport that, you know, things sort of worked well for me, you know, with my physical ability and my height um, and being just a, a natural sportsman. But, and that's sort of when I just went through, went through the programs. Uh, and even when I did get drafted to Brisbane, like I said, it, it just wasn't uh, an industry that I felt comfortable within. And like I said, it, it was when I got drafted, it, it, the, the feeling and, and the emotion wasn't as to what I, you know it should be when you, you know you get drafted or you know you, you get picked to play professional sport. Now, not to say that uh, you know it wasn't a surreal experience because it was, and I'll probably take more so from the experience um, around maturing and, and becoming a, a better person and uh, living in a in a you know, a lifestyle and a, and, a, and a bubble, so to speak, where not many people have. So that, that existence was very interesting um, and something, like I said, that I'll, I'll never regret because it, it definitely shaped me the person I am today. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes you can't describe, but I feel like, uh, and it's all circumstantial, of course, everything is circumstantial. Um, you know, we talk about mental health, they, you know, in the year 2021 and, you know how uh, prominent it is in, in everyone's lives now. You know selections and different circumstances, living away from home, it all contributes to you know decision making as well. Mm. Um, so for me, I guess it was just one of those things where I sort of had to weigh it up at you know that twenty three, and, and my, gen- my my general happiness uh, was more important to remain on a list and you know maybe tick over another three four years or whatever however way it would have panned out and, and more so take control of my own destiny and take control of my own life where if i had to restart i'll restart and then you know and figure out a plan then sometimes when you're not really sure where you're going or what you want to do um it drives you a bit more and then you know you've got a bit more motivation to, to figure it out and then that's more so where you, where you learn a bit about yourself yep. we'll be back after a quick break Hey, you, you impressed heaps of Brisbane, though, and you, you say that it was hard to adjust and that sort of thing, but you had heaps of potential. Michael Michael Voss at the time was coach. He gave you a huge rap. And I know previously you've said that maybe Brisbane could have done better with like sort of acknowledging the, the true effect of homesickness, and they sometimes use like Simon Black and Luke Power as examples to say, you know, not toughen up, but look look how things um, could be. And But do you think Brisbane could have done things differently to make your, I guess, life up there a bit a bit better, and 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 you were part of that go home five. Was it Elliot 
uh, Elliot Yo, Sam Doherty, Billy Longer, Jared Pollock, and you move back home because of that. Do you think have you seen a big change in Brisbane the way they've um, they've enabled people to um, kind of feel at home at the club? Yeah, I, I definitely have, and like I said before, you know, you go back it's, it's twenty. 2010, I got drafted, mm. uh, which is incredible. It's incredible, and just it amazes me how how time flies. To be honest, because it feels like yesterday uh, being drafted, and then you know a couple of days later jumping on a plane, um, you know, moving to Brisbane. But I feel like it's a trend of the AFL. Like you know, we look at the AFL now um, and how much emphasis we put on, like I said, welfare um, and mm. connecting with players and coaching uh, and mental health. So the, the, I think it's just the way in the world we live in now. And even, you know, you throw diversity uh, into that mix also. Now, going back 10, 11 years ago, I think there was a lack of education mm. and understanding around, you know, kids that were homesick or um, trying to deal with plays around, you know, their personal welfare and their education. So, and, I, and like I said, to be brutally honest, I definitely think Brisbane lacked in that area. And I think they'd be the first one to admit that mm. um, at that particular time. Um but like I said, it's one of those things where now you see a trend and a progression of the AFL and how it's moving. Um, there needs to be a lot of attention put into you know these types of these type of things. Now, um, don't get me wrong; if there was more support or a better support network at the time, or additional resources around you know uh, young players moving away from home, you know the, the it could have definitely, uh, you know, looked differently for me personally. But um, I guess it's timing at the end of the, at the end of the day, and, and that's sort of where I was destined to be, and, and that's sort of how the journey panned out. And in saying that, like you know, I know you mentioned about the potential, and and I guess for me moving up to Brisbane, I think I played half a season in my first year, and, and that was one of those things where it was just more so where the club was at at that particular time, and you know there was young kids getting the, getting the chance of. Uh, playing a few games and you know when there's no when there's minimal expectation uh, for the club itself and kids are just playing you know you're going out and enjoying yourself and I guess when more pressure uh, is added to you personally and will you back up the next year you know how you played the year before it's it's just that's just the life of a footballer or the life of a professional athlete but in terms of the, the Brisbane Lions and at that particular time, it's fair to say that I think uh, it was a club that lacked a lot of education around uh, welfare and, and you know different support networks for their players. And looking at them now as a football club and then having a few mates still there, uh, which the list looks entirely different. Mm. It's just amazing, and it actually makes you you look you know it makes me look at the club and, and from afar and just think how incredible is that, but. Yeah. I think the I think the AFL in general and life in general, because you know as years progress, we all sort of you know educate ourselves, become a bit more sensitive to you know a lot of different things that you, you have to adjust and you have to adapt to you know new new generation of players that are coming through the system because it's not like what it was 20 years ago um, and, and kids are, are wired a lot differently and um, you know and, and coaches and clubs need to adapt to that. When you when you did leave the club, not everyone was happy. Obviously, I saw Pierce Hanley tweeted at the time, "Mummy's boys are home now." <laughs> did you did you take that personally? <laughs> did the boys take it personally, or it was just a bit of a joke? Uh, me personally, no, I, I did not take that personally. I guess 
yeah, it, it, it's just, I, I, you don't tend to really read into that. I, I've seen Pierce before and had a yeah. chat with him. Um, and yeah, it's it just, like I said, it, you, you as, a, as a senior player for Pierce at that time, I'm sure, you know, he would have been impacted by it in some way. Um, I guess for me, it could have probably been true in, in a way because coming from a European family, mm. that's that sort of the stigma attached to me at the time. Um, as all Europeans, you know, viewed as mummy's boys. But yep. no, th- th- that's, there's no, uh, there's no negative intent around, yep. you know, tweet or anything like that. It's sometimes actually enjoyable to see players be a bit more vocal and, you know, enforce a bit of an opinion at times. So that, that was actually quite refreshing. <laughs> that's good. And that's right. And there's nothing wrong with being a mummy's boy either. And I'm, uh, no, I'm, no, I'm, right. that's right. I'm <laughs> one of them as well. Don't worry. But, uh, not when you get to thirty, though, you got to start to move on. I think and <laughs> break away a bit, but no, that's okay. We're all we're all mummies for you. Exactly. You then end up at Collingwood, and and it was funny enough that you had Bucks on the back of your jumper as a kid, and then you go and you're playing under him as head coach. What was that like stepping into the club um, yeah, with with your idols? Yeah, that that, that was, I guess, uh, like I said, in in one way, it was like a dream come true because as a young kid, I was. You know, I was a fan, fanatical, you know, supporter and, mm. and a Collingwood fan as a young kid. And as you as you grow up, and you know, you, you tend to focus a bit more on your own football. And I, like I said, from the age of 15, 16, I probably you know continued to fall out of love for the game in you know in one way. But um, yeah, I guess walking into the club and having a lot of different players that you know I did otherwise as, as a young kid, it was just yeah, it was one of those things, just getting to the club was just a special feeling. Now, um, I sort of had to separate at the time, um, you know, to focus on my own development and where I, where I was at. And I'm pretty sure I left for the club and I was inj- injured for, you know, the whole pre-season and yeah. pretty much half the season. But um, it was a special feeling. And, and, you know, even being able to put, you know, the jumper on for a few games and, and kick a goal here then a couple of games, it was an incredible feeling. and that's, you know, like, you know, not many people can say that, you know, that they've, they've done that. But um, I always will be honest to myself and, you know, most people that do ask me that, I, I definitely failed at that particular time, you know, leaving Brisbane, coming to Collingwood. It just, it, there was just something there that just wasn't fulfilled. And, you know, I remember tossing up coming back from Brisbane that I was going to quit at that particular time or so. Just fall back into the the natural way of life and what every other twenty two year old does. Um, but you know, decided to give it one more go and didn't work out in the end. And I think that's where I, I'm also made the decision for myself to, to part ways. And, mm. Yeah, and then to actually focus on my own life and and, and take control. Mm. Well, you say it didn't work out, but you still got to fulfil your your childhood dream. So it's an incredible yeah, experience. I did. I yeah. Did. yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah, what was um? So, did you actually contact Collingwood yourself, um, or was it they they approached you at the end of that time at Brisbane? Um, because I know that um, yeah, yeah. I think it was Derek, Derek Hine, wasn't it? Who was um who gone and had a chat to you, and then you ended up heading over there. How did it eventuate? Yeah, so I think uh, if I recall, um, I knew Decker or Derek Hine. Uh, in my last year of high school, so I went to oh, okay, college, yeah, yeah. and and Derek would always come to our AGS 
first game. So when I was playing club school football, yeah. Um, and at that time, I formed a pretty good relationship with with Derek. And I remember he spoke to a few of us there, mm. and I got on really well with him. And I actually remember I think um, he mentioned to me that uh, the draft coming up, uh, we'd you know love to definitely pick you up at uh, you know at, at our available pick. And I think they were like pick forty or something, or pick forty four, forty five. Mm. I'm not quite sure. Um, and they picked up uh, Alex Fasolo with that pick, and I went uh, the last pick of the first round. But in saying that, when I did go to Brisbane, I actually always did keep in contact with Derek yep. um, because I think Derek, you know, we had some pretty open and honest conversations. And, you know, as a young kid, I think he realised how close and connected I was to my family and how uh, much I was a beloved Melbourne boy. Uh, so I, I think he saw the writing on the wall where, uh, you know, how long does it look like that I can last in Brisbane or depending on the circumstances, you know, what, what exactly can happen. So I had a three, well, I had a two year contract obviously when you get drafted, but I initially signed third year um, as soon as I got drafted, um, which probably wasn't the, the right decision to make, but thinking that I wasn't going to play many games. So it was a bit more of a security decision. Yeah. Um, but pretty much after the first year, I requested to, I requested for a trade pretty much after my first year. Um, which wasn't a wise decision. So you, you definitely learn how the business of sport works because yeah. it is a business as well at the end of the day. Um, Why do you say that was so a bad decision? Made, was that because you were treated differently after you, you did that? Yeah, well, I think, you know, if, you, if I was to look back on it and put my business hat on, mm. uh, having, a, having a, you know, a, a good year my first year uh, should have, Sort of probably honoured my contract and, and you know mm. you know put my head down and, and focus on football and and build up my value and then look to make a request of leaving. So I think I made my life a bit hard uh, okay, when yeah. I told the club I wanted out after the first year. So I had a couple of years on you know on the contract and yeah, it was one of those things where Derek was trying to get me out after the second year, after the first year, after the second year. Um, and there were a few, you know, things going on behind the scenes, a few different disputes, and I just had to sit it out, really. Mm. Um, sit it out for three years, you know, for another two years under the contract. Um, and then when that time came, I think I was out less than, like, two hours later once the last day finished <laughs> of the season, I was on a plate and gone. So the club knew I knew. I think, yeah. it, you know, it was well documented that I was that I was on my way out. But... Yeah. Um, yeah, it was with Derek. It was it was a really good relationship where I think from day one Derek saw a lot of potential in, in myself, and we always remained connected and we always communicated. And I know he was pretty keen to, to get me to the club, and then he did. And credit to him, he did um, and, and gave me that opportunity, knowing that I, you know, that my body wasn't um, in the great greatest um, position as well. Um, and then, yeah, and then that sort of had it all panned out. There's been a fair bit of talk about the culture at the Pies of late, but how was the culture like for you when you were there? Um, did you did you feel welcome straight away, and or was it things you questioned, or how was it for your experience? No, I, I definitely, I definitely did feel welcome. I must say, um, I probably was a bit more removed, like I said, for the, my first year because. You got to think about it when pre-season was occurring. I was I was pretty much walking laps for like mm. three four months, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. where my body was completely, um, you yeah, know, completely cooked 
to be honest. And I was walking laps. I was in the gym, you know, with our train. I was doing rehab. So I was very removed. Um, but I definitely could say, uh, you know, I can honestly say at that, you know, at that particular time, I think it was 2014 I got to the club. Um, I didn't notice anything um, where I questioned the culture or I, or I questioned the environment or the people um, because I'm, yeah, because for me personally, that, that's a bit, that's something that's really important to me, mm-hmm. and, and you know, treating people with respect and, and respecting people's different ideas and um, theories and, and where they come from. So, um, but you got to understand, football is football, and football environments, um, you know, are you know, yeah, I wouldn't say it's a boys' club, but it's mm-hmm. a football environment, a football club. So, you know, you've always got to be, you can't be too. Not too reserved. I don't think that's the right word, but you've got to sort of open yourself up a bit more and, and sort of go along for the ride and, and not take things too seriously at the same time. Yeah. Um, but we've all got to know where that line gets crossed as well. But uh, yeah, I, I I think the club was great. You know, for my time there, I made some really you know great friendships that I still keep in contact today with. Yeah. Uh, who I keep in contact today with, and you know, I guess everyone's got their own story and everyone's got their own journey and. Um, yeah, but as far as the culture goes, for me in those two years, the people were great, and yeah, I got on really well with a lot with you know the majority of people at the club, whether it's being players or staff. Are you still a fanatical Collingwood supporter now? No, I'm not. No. I, well, I would, I, to be honest, I would say I'm not a I'm not a football um, supporter, or I, I definitely um, I definitely haven't watched football in a long time. I no, guess really? finishing in yeah. 2000, yeah, finishing in 2015. Yeah. Uh, other than playing for West Preston for a year or two uh, with a couple of mates, uh, I reckon last year during COVID was the first year I actually uh, watched a bit of football because you know, clearly we had nothing else to do. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was spending a lot of time at home. Yeah. Um, so I watched a bit of football at that time. But yeah, for me personally, um, you know, I sort of keep an eye on it here and there, but uh, yeah, for the most part of my life, even when I was playing, it was one of those things for me where I went to the club and then I'd completely shut off. So whether that probably, uh, you know, impacted me in a, in a negative way where I wasn't sort of ingrained in the game enough, uh, that could be debatable. But I wasn't a, I wasn't a football football fanatic. Yeah. Well, there and you I, and yeah. haven't been really, to be yeah. honest, yeah. Well, there you go. So I was going to ask for your premiership favourite, but I guess then you wouldn't have... Uh... Oh, I think, I'm well, I think I could. Yeah. No, nah, I think I definitely could give an opinion. Yeah, is it the um, pies or uh, who is it? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think the pies. I don't think the pies uh, would be a premiership favourite. But I guess it's it's very early to tell. Um, you know, it's it's a long season with football, and you can't make you know quick assumptions because it's you know, things can change in a yeah. week. But you know, obviously Sydney Swans at the moment just look really impressive, yeah. uh, especially with their young talent and the way they're playing the game. But, you know, a lot of clubs and teams like that with such a young list uh, tend to sort of hit a bit of a wall at some stage during the season. But um, I definitely think Swans are really impressive. I think West Coast are really strong. Mm -hmm. Um, Port Adelaide, I think, are really strong as well. Richmond again. Um, So, yeah, I definitely think there's, you know, four, five, six clubs that are are definitely up there. But I've actually made a bit more of an effort to... To watch a bit more, I think. Yeah, 
Good. Well, I'm glad you said the Tigers because you know I'm a big Tigers man. So if <laughs> you ever, are a Tigers man, I know. Yeah, You've had it, your fair share, surely. Exactly. More. <laughs> I want a little bit more, man. I suffered a long time. Yeah. Um, That's okay. what happens. You get a taste of it and you just want more. Exactly. More. Exactly right. Hey, before I ask you 10 quick fire questions, I wanted to just say a yep. couple names at you and you tell me the first thing that comes to your head, if that's okay. Yes. So, yes. all right. Brody Grundy. Uh, intelligent man. Eddie Maguire. Good person. Michael Voss. Fantastic player. Scott Pendlebury. Smooth operator. Dane Swan. Incredible. John O'Brown. Absolute star and genuine person. I've actually given you a few. I'm giving you more than one. That's word. all right. That's all right. This is good. <laughs> yeah. uh, the last one, uh, David Roden. Uh, holds a very, uh, holds a very. Uh, he's very close to my heart. David yeah, Roden. he is a he's a great man. When I was at AFL Vic, because yeah. I told you he was my favourite player growing up, I had 18 on the back of my jersey, yeah. and he's just an absolute yeah. legend, mate. Like the time, yeah, he just gives you the time and cares how you nah, are. Nah, he's, um, he's a champion. That's it. He's, uh, like I said, he, he holds a special place in my heart, for sure, definitely. All right, the fun stuff, mate. Ten quick questions. Here we go. All right. Yep. What's your favourite food? Uh, again, I'm probably a bit biased, but I'm going to say uh, a of lucky for me. <laughs> <laughs> a gyro. Yeah, gyro. Nice. I like it. At, yeah. at Oakley, do you go to Oakley a lot? Because you played for the Chargers. I do go to Oakley. My- no, I do go to Oakley. My recommendations would be Meet Me. Yeah, Meet Me's good, yep. Uh, Mythos is good. I was about to say, Mythos is my favourite out of them, and Cully is good, but I think Mythos is Jeez, number one. You've just, hit my, you've just nailed my top three there. There you go. So Cully I was about to say. So, yeah, there you go. You're, you're all over it. Perfect. <laughs> I'm around the corner from there. I live now in Mulvaney, so when you're there next, give me a buzz. We'll go have one. Yes, yes. Um, your, uh, your, right. f- your favourite sport other than AFL? Now, you've obviously got a few because you're not a huge AFL yeah. fan. <laughs> You go for Arsenal, don't you? Um, Is it soccer? I'm a gunner. Yeah, yeah. I'm a gunner. Yeah. Uh, and have been a gunner for a very long time. Um, I have definitely fallen off the EPL bandwagon. Well, not bandwagon, but I've definitely fallen off the EPL, EPL trail mm. for a while. Uh, but always a gunner and always stay in, in tune with the gunners. But yeah. uh, NBA, I love my NBA. So yeah. I'm um, massive NBA fan. Who's your team? I'm a gen- I'm just a generalist, so like I just okay. enjoy watching the game, yeah. um, and I can watch all sports. I love, uh, sorry, I can watch all games. I love watching all the talkback shows and the media around the yeah. NBA because it actually enlightens me when I watch, um, you know, the, the the media personalities around their opinions and how vocal they are and how mm. enforcing they are, uh, which is really good to see. But I don't know if this is going to go go well, but I'm. Uh, I'm an anti-LeBron James man. Anti, so, anti, anti. Wow. So I wouldn't say I'm a Le- I wouldn't say I'm a LeBron James hater. Yeah, because you, you definitely can't. But you just hate on someone. Obviously, you that just love MJ. Valuable. I'm an MJ man. Yeah, so I'm right. an MJ man. I'm a Kobe man. Um, you know, I obviously respect and value such an incredible athlete like LeBron. Yeah, you can't fault or hate someone like that. But I just can't stand the comparison. So just, <laughs> Um, that hurt me. So judging by your voice, it seems like you're a LeBron James man. Oh, I, I like LeBron because I like the Lakers. But um, 
but I, I like <laughs> yeah, both of them. I know what I know what you mean, though. Yeah. I can uh, yeah. I can cop that. Uh, do you, oh, by the way, do you still play futsal, or you've stopped? Uh, I love my futsal. Yeah. I definitely love my futsal. I haven't played in a while. Uh, it's uh, something that I need to get back into. Get back into. Uh, well, we, we might need the... some extra players, so I'll, I'll give you a buzz. You well, well let me know. I'm yeah. more, than, more than happy to, uh, <laughs> to to help out. I've been actually wanting to play for a while. Good. A few of my mates have got a few teams going, so I need to get my fitness back and back up and running. All right, bang. Number three, describe your Marcelin and, bu- and bullying temp footy experience in one sentence. Uh, yeah, Marcelin football, uh, very enjoyable experience. Played with some good friends at, at the football club. Now, I didn't play at Bulleen Temp. You didn't play at Bulleen Temp? Jeez, I got that no, from a bad I, source. No, that's okay. I played <laughs> at Hawthorne Sits. I played at okay. Hawthorne Sits. Yeah. Now, the reason was for that because obviously Bulleen Temp and Doncaster are not far from me, but yeah. Hawthorne Sits, my cousin, played at Hawthorne ah, Sits. So I played a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I played a lot of with a lot of you know guys that went to Xavier and Scotch. Yeah. Um, so and actually got drafted with you know some good mates of mine. So Alex Brown who got drafted to Essendon, Alex Johnson who got drafted yep. to Sydney. So um, that was a great time. I loved my Hawthorne uh, Six days for mm-hmm. a few years there. But yeah, uh, really good times, especially you know school football and junior football. Brilliant. Who is your hero? Well, I definitely looked up to my father as, yeah. as a young kid, not to say that I still don't. Um, but yeah, my father was a big part of my life and still is. Yeah. Um, and we've gone through, you know, we went through the football journey together. Uh, now that I work with him, um, well, not directly with him, but I work, you know, in the company now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as a young kid, I definitely idolised my dad and, and looked at him in a, in a different light. Perfect. I had a feeling you'd say a family member. You are a, a family man. Yeah. Uh, what's yeah, what's your dream? What's your dream job? Any job in the world you could have? What would it be? Well, my dream job. Yeah, I, I think if I put it down to, I just enjoy people and, and connecting with people. And um, I guess for me, where my mindset and my mentality is, where in business, if we're all, you know, if you can work with good people and you're on the same page and you're all winning. Mm-hmm. In a sense, whether that's by um, service or costs uh, or the relationship, I think that's a win. Brilliant! So you're living the dream. That's what that's what we want to hear. I love it. Uh, who was your best mate? Your best mate at Brisbane and your best mate at Collingwood. Um, well, I lived with Greg Staker uh, for Staker, a while yep, in, yep. in yeah Brisbane. So he's a good friend of mine, and we went uh, had a fantastic experience together. Xavier Clark. Uh, who was the first person I moved in with when I got to the club. Mm-hmm. Um, still remain close with Xavier. And again, just another person that uh, is very close to my heart. And, yep. you know, these are these are relationships that, you know, you don't necessarily speak on a daily basis. You, know, you speak every couple of months, catch up. Um, that you just, you know, that I will just never forget around their contribution to me and what they did for me. Yeah. Um, so David Clark, I got drafted with Ryan Lester, so he's a you know he was a good mate of mine. Uh, Collingwood, really close with Tom Langdon, um, so he, he was you know, it was great to have someone like Tommy come to the club at the time when I got there, mm-hmm. um, and just take his game to the next level. And he, you know, as we saw in the granny and the last couple of years, how valuable of a player he is, and then unfortunately. Uh, he's decided to, yeah, I guess, take a different path, uh, whether that be injuries or you know, personal decisions. But, mm-hmm. um, 
yeah, you meet you meet a lot of different people along the way. You really do. You can't always remain close with forty four blokes on a list, but uh, if you can walk away with some key close friendships, I think that's that's a positive. Would you rather kick a goal after the siren during a home and away game, or take the mark of the year? Uh, I would rather kick a goal after the siren. Mm. What was the most annoying to play, uh, player to play against? Who was the worst who you who you've played against in the AFL? Well, this is a tough one, James. I can't can't, can't single anyone out. Yeah, I can't single anyone out. Um, I was a kid. Yeah, I was a kid in 2010, 2011. I remember there was some senior defenders that were playing on me at one yeah. point, and I just, I actually, I think I even, I might have uh, had Ted Richards on me in one game in my first year or my second year. Yeah, and he was just so much stronger, so much fitter, faster. And I just, yeah, it was just, I was like, gosh, this is just going to be impossible to get off this guy. Um, <laughs> Last good experience. Two. Good. Last two, all right. What makes you angry? Um, I think one thing that actually does, I'm a very patient man. I think yeah. Beyonce can say that also. Um, but one thing that actually does get me quite frustrated is FIFA. FIFA, yes. Yeah, it, it really uh, tends to, to get me going. Yeah. And uh, I've got a good mate of mine that, you know, we play religiously and yeah. he's got the wood over me at the moment and it, it, it just always seems to be the same storyline and, the, you know, the, the continuous narrative around me peppering the goals <laughs> and, you know, my my my, uh, my total shots at halftime are like double digits and yeah. then you look at his and he's had like two shots and, <laughs> and it's 2-0. And yeah. it's just... So yeah, that, yeah, that's one thing that just infuriates me. So yeah. it, it really does get under under my skin. I can relate. I can relate a hundred percent. Yeah. Hey. So as you can see, we're still playing FIFA. That's it. Very good. Hey, the last one here. What is your favourite quote of all time? Do you have a favourite quote? I actually have a favourite quote. I do. Yeah. Uh, I, this one actually uh, I related to. I reckon it, it's to be loud is to be weak. Now that can be interpreted differently. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you know, from from everyone. But I've always thought, you know, based on who I am, that's why I probably tend to relate a bit more. Being, you know, being confident with yourself and being secure with yourself, um, having a reason not to sort of, um, you know, be someone you're not, or be the centre of attention for, for you know different reasons. But yeah, I've always had the mindset of knowing who you truly are deep down and. and you know, remaining humble um, and knowing where, you know, where your happiness lies and you don't need to prove anyone anything to anyone. At the end of the day, it's about proving to yourself. So probably why I sometimes felt uncomfortable being a footballer, which is a bit of an odd thing to say because it just didn't always sit well, the yep. attention and, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's it's an interesting quote that can be interpreted differently. Yeah, no, I love that, mate. And it makes perfect sense. I can I can uh, completely understand. Hey, yeah. Paddy, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on today, mate. And then they do say that, you know, good things happen to good people. So I wish you good luck in whatever the future holds. But I know yeah, you really won't need you, it. Mate. You won't need it, mate. You're an absolute champion. And uh, I hope I bump into you again at one of your favourite nightclubs. We'll have another, have another <laughs> drink, mate. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. You're a good man. I appreciate uh I appreciate you giving me the opportunity, so thank you very much. Yes, Jimmy!
Right, here we go, fellas. My second favourite part of the show, as you know, Gordo. It's uh, when we get to the Monday review panel on a Tuesday. Boys, I know Nico's pissed off about yesterday because the Hawks lost and the umpires cost him the game. I want to ask you, Gordo, how are you feeling this Tuesday, the 6th of April? I'm feeling pretty refreshed. Long weekend, yep. back in the office, footy to talk about. Mm-hmm. Apparently footy's fixed, even though we had, what, four or five blowouts on the weekend? So They were good blowouts, though. Yeah, fair nice. enough. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> they were good. Nico, you can finally speak. We haven't spoken all day. You've been distraught. You've been um, oh, abusing Razor Ray in the office I didn't here. think my umpire complaining was that bad this week. I mean, I've, I've had my days, but <laughs> you I don't had think yesterday or today has been one of them. <laughs> no, you've had your days. It wasn't that bad this week. But you, your club made up for it. Your club tweeted about the umpires. Oh, Wolfram they did. They're, they're, I mean, there was a few questionable calls. We, we know mm. how much Razor Ray loves getting <laughs> in the spotlight on a big occasion, and it was yeah. once again at it yesterday. But, look, it, it didn't he cost Hawthorne the result. Hey, I didn't like, in all seriousness, I didn't like that from the club to tweet about the umps just because, and yeah. now you roll your eyes, a Nico. Bit of a I know that, bit but of like, we, don't we want kids and people to participate in sport and be umpires? And we've got we've got a lack of umpires, which is why the quality can sometimes be questionable. Who wants to umpire when you've got your own the own clubs uh, of the AFL it, abusing them? I and know, if, but it's in the <laughs> in the middle of a battle. The emotions are running high, and they did apologize for it. Let it go. <laughs> hey, uh, your hero of the round, Gordo, other than Razor Ray. Other than Razor Ray, which is an obvious hero in my opinion. <laughs> Anything that riles up Hawthorne fans is fine <laughs> by me. No, I'm going to the unsung heroes because most time yeah. the hero comes from a winning team. And this one yep. doesn't. It's Brody Grundy. No cushy ride here. He tried to win that game single-handedly for the Pies. And afterwards everyone just complains. Doesn't have enough impact. That hitouts are wasted. That... Everything he does as a ruckman is really kind of inconsequential to the game. And even his coach, Bucks, didn't really say that much to defend him afterwards in the press conference. So I'm giving him a hat tip. He could not have tried harder. He could not have done more for that club. And if they can't make good on 53 hitouts... And although they didn't win the game, you have to say that if he wasn't there, they probably would have lost by more. Yeah. Just the point. Oh, so they would have. They were roving. They, have they ended up. They lost the clearances as well, though. They, they mm. lost the center clearances. I didn't see the actual clearance numbers, but they were just the Brisbane players were roving to him because he was that dominant. But I mean, he hasn't got a point that I mean, if if you're not going to make use of those taps, are they actually that influential? Oh, I, mean, I mean, a lot of them were to advantage, weren't they? Anyway, it's a good hero. He did try hard, but Collingwood, the worst thirty seconds of football you're ever likely to see that last thirty mm. seconds of the game. And um, Collingwood fans have got every right to be filthy about their club to allow that to happen. Um, the breakdown at the end of the game to, to allow that space for um, I thought he was going to be is, maybe it's Nico's hero. Is Zach Bailey a hero? No, he's not. Oh, well, he's for, my I've, hero. I've then. gone for I've <laughs> gone for the more obvious one. I'm yeah. like Gordo. I've gone for Josh Bruce. Yeah, ten the goals. Ten, the ten goal hero. Um, we haven't seen it in how long? I don't even know. Like the last ten goal. I reckon. Was it, would, buddy? would it have been no, no Jack Rewell? Maybe Jack Rewell. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, it's it's you been a while. That. It's I been so long that we don't even remember. Tell me. It's been so long that we don't even remember. So yeah. Josh Bruce, he, he he was brilliant, and you you two aren't quite fond of uh, the big forwards no, kicking, I love back the big goals, forwards kicking back the goals. But in in a game where you know there was no real contest, 
It made the game exciting. It did didn't make it? the game exciting. I reckon my nonna would have kicked seven, but still, it did make it exciting. The amount of space that North gave, my oh, God, mate, it, it was, was a training drill. It was, it was more a than a training drill. drill. But it was horrific. So well, if it was Josh more than a training drill, then why is Josh Bruce your hero for kicking ten goals? Because oh, he finally did I, it. I He's mean, still got to kick him between the posts, doesn't he? That's not and, bad. And Josh Bruce, of all forwards as well, cops a lot of criticism uh, yeah. most weeks. And I think he silenced a few haters on Good Friday. What was your highlight of the round, Gorda? My highlight of the round, uh, it's more like the highlight of the season. Mm. And it's that there doesn't seem to be, other than North Melbourne, too many bad teams in the comp this year. Uh, we had an yeah. issue last year in the last couple of seasons where you'd get to about this stage, not maybe not this early, but you get to about round eight and you'd be like, all right, there's probably four games a week worth watching. At the moment, every game is worth watching. We don't know who's going to win. We don't know who's going to lose, unless unless you're playing North Melbourne. Unless in which you're case. playing North, and then, yeah, mm. shout out to all the North fans because going to be in for a very very yeah, long season. All two of them. Thanks for joining, uh, Nico. What was your highlight? I mean, yeah, my highlight was uh, all the. I mean, all two of the upsets of the round, but they were oh. big upsets. Uh, Essendon yeah, winning were. by seventy five points over St Kilda. Yeah, who would have saw that, uh, saw that coming? Sydney over Richmond, forty five points. That was huge. That was a huge highlight and, for you. It was, it was. That was my favourite part of the weekend. <laughs> uh, and even Carlton, I mean, the, the, not so much the underdog. You hate Carlton. And well, we've got some some listeners that really uh, have highlighted that, that your hatred for Carlton is just too much. I didn't tip them. And, yeah, as I was saying, they're, they're not much of an underdog. But they s- silenced a few of the doubters, including myself, and it was a big statement win. Yeah, the Saints were woeful. I mean, they had 11 tackles, Nico, in the first half. And they had four in the second half. That's worse than your effort for the Arrow Lions. It was disgusting. They can't. You've got to lay a tackle. Jack Billings, Callum Wilkie, Brad Hill, Dan Butler, Jake Carlisle, zero tackles. And what do you put that down to? I mean, the, no commitment. Their first excuse no would be passion. oh injuries, but no, I don't you think don't. You, there's no. There's no excuses for, expl- for not yeah. laying a tackle. Yeah, exactly. There's no excuses for four tackles in effort. the second term. That's right. Horrible. <laughs> what well, Gordo? What was your low light? Well, I already alluded to it, but. Well, the year that 2021 seems to be the footy's fixed year. Everyone's fixed footy. We've got all the goals. We've got all the superheroes. We've got all that. Yeah. But do we really want blowouts as a result? Yeah, I don't mind it. And that's the part I don't quite understand. Because, like, last year, you know, weird year, COVID, maybe we just liked footy because it was on and it was something to watch and do when we were all locked in our homes. But there was a lot of close games and definitely closer than what we've got so far this year. Do we want teams just – it feels like with the shorter preseason and the new rules, teams are kind of energy resourcing, kind of like there's not a lot of chase back, there's not a lot of – all the unsung stuff. So we're getting more goals, we're getting more heroes, we're getting more easy, yeah, but, easy celebra- celebra- celebrated things. But I feel like teams are getting to like the three-quarter time and being like, nah, this game's lost, like, who cares? No, but I reckon it, it's better to have either a close game or a big blowout. You don't want something in the middle, like a 30-point win or a 25-point win. But we are getting, we are getting those as well. So we've had two I mean, big ones and then we've had... But that's what I mean, getting a bit 30. of everything as well. A bit of everything is good. I, mean, I like the big blowouts. So who doesn't like to see the North, yeah, North get I mean, smacked? Geelong no, that's, not, week, that's not true. Brisbane we don't want to see it. But the 10 goals made it interesting. That St Kilda game was very, very entertaining because to see the Bombers fly up... Uh, <laughs> was good. I thought, yeah, Drake, Jake String was back. No one expected it. Maybe the Don's fans expected it. That's it. Nico, what was your low light apart from Razor A? 
<laughs> my low light was Port Adelaide. Oh, uh, they were horrible. Yeah, they? I backed them into win. I tipped yeah. them. I was quite. Your confident. tipping was horrible this week. Gordo's it was. I, I tried to pick a few upsets, including Frio <laughs> and uh, Hawthorne to get up. That didn't uh, come off for me. But yeah, Port. I, I was expecting them to win. Everyone was talking them up as the premiership favourite. They and they looked like. Yeah, and you got sucked in. Rounds. Don't get sucked. I in I did by get that. sucked in, and yeah, West Coast gave them a footballing lesson. They did, and I didn't like the way. Yeah, Port Adelaide went about it. Gordo, your overreaction from the weekend? That Geelong's grand final chances are past them. I've never <laughs> seen people write off a club that wins. Mate, I, yeah, yeah, I disagree I, I with get, that. I, 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 <laughs> you're, in, you're in the overreaction. This is a prime example. Oh, I'm sorry. They're not, like, Richmond, no one's saying that Richmond can't win the flag this year, and they've, and they've lost. Yeah. Whereas Geelong get two scrappy wins, and it wasn't even that scrappy. Both cases, they just turned off the switch at the three-quarter time, being like, we'll just cruise in hopefully and get this job done. Very mm. lucky against the Lions in the end. Yeah, I want to Pretty lucky Nick's. against the Hawks. They could they could be zero and three. Nick, they could point. be, but Nick, they're they not. They, not. Pro- they should be one <laughs> they, and two. Could but should the, but just doesn't the matter. They, just just their football go. at yeah. the moment. Saw it firsthand yesterday. It was it was boring football, and I don't think that. But can stay boring up. football doesn't have to be I, I unsuccessful had as, yeah, football. Yeah, you you had them as premiership favourites. I'll tell you something, Nick. I'll tell you something, Nick. That at the start of the season. Right, the mm-hmm. start of the season is not that important for clubs like Richmond, Geelong, oh, your West you're Coast, Port Adelaide. Exactly. Yeah. So your so three games has changed your opinion on Geelong. It is ridiculous. Isaac Smith was they sick on the show, weekend. Mate, They've they got no Paddy Dangerfield. Radigalee is injured. Gary Rowan was missing. Anything. Doesn't matter. They're Menegola still, wasn't there. Sam Simpson wasn't there. Six, Sean Higgins got injured. Uh, better team than Hawthorne. Hawthorne's a bottom four side. But as if you if, if you write them were off in, after in a that. grand final last year and they yeah. they couldn't they know it's a marathon not a sprint and you, the clubs and you should know from your Hawthorne days uh, that yeah, it doesn't I matter know. what you, as long as you're getting results at the start of the season that's fine they're winning and playing poorly winning they mate they got smashed by Adelaide who okay. didn't win a game last the first year. Ga- yeah, but that, that's, not, that's not Adelaide. Of the Adelaide now is two and one. That was Adelaide's grand final in round one. That was them. Oh, and the teams for, for Adelaide, for Sydney, that is the biggest part of their season is the start of the season. Geelong have showed nothing in the wow. first three rounds. So you're right. You're they, putting what, a what, what, Give me one thing that they have showed to suggest that they are premiership That they can put the favorites. foot down when they need to. When did they put the foot down? Yesterday. When they when were they leading by to. multiple goals at three-quarter time multiple against both goals, Brisbane and Hawthorne. And they and they let it slip. Yeah, they, but they didn't let it slip because, because they won the, the game. game. Because Yeah, but um, what I'm saying is that their their style of football is very slow. And then when the game comes to the crunch and... They the, play, and so then, when the, the game comes the, to the, the crunch... When the game comes to the crunch, <laughs> the opposition team puts the foot on the pedal... I want to and get to Geelong a, a tweet. We'll go to this tweet. Now. Any other from, team from besides Dario, North Melbourne Dario would have been Kisale, Geelong. Right? Can I just ask this question, okay? He had two questions for us, Dario Casale. He said two questions. Is Geelong's brand of footy too slow? And has the Geelong v Hawks rivalry become bigger and a better spectacle than Pies v Blues? Now, I'll say one thing, Nico. Okay, mm. they haven't kicked 100 points this season yet, Geelong. Okay, fair enough. But why would they go into that game saying, we know Hawks want to play fast against us, why would we just go end-to-end against them? Their their idea so was to play... Three, all three games. No, yeah, but they, they're allowed to, to play slow if they want to control the football. That's what they want because they don't want to be caught on the counter. I'm that's just saying, what, that, that's what I'm just saying it doesn't and stack it's not, up. Are they going to play that for the rest of the season? I highly doubt it that they're going to play like that at the rest of the season. Okay? And teams are trying to figure out what's going to work. Attacking footy or not? And at the moment, attacking's working. It's not going to last for the, the whole season. I can guarantee that. You can guarantee it. That it's not going to last for the it's whole season. It's definitely not going to last the whole season. Okay? 
So Jeez. Geelong can play both brands of footy, and they have in the past. They've finished on top. When people have put a line through them, oh, they can't win. They know it's a marathon. I wouldn't be overreacting about Geelong yet. We know that you are. I'm just saying they haven't showed anything um, to be worthy of premiership favourites. Well, I wouldn't have them as premiership favourites. They got you embarrassed in round one, and yesterday was They've got a lot of people to come game, back. The They've got a lot of players watching. to come back. The whole country the whole was watching country yesterday. Was watching. Yeah, they were. It's well, a main event that, game. And we say that. They didn't show is, up. Is the spectacle bigger than... It's bigger than... Is that rivalry bigger than Carlton Collingwood? If we're talking about modern day rivalries, yes. Yes. I think there's been plenty more exciting games of football in the last 10 to 15 years between Hawthorne and Geelong than Collingwood and Carlton. Yep. Yeah, I'd say so as well. I don't think either is really a big time... It's not the top ticket rivalry at the moment, Who's though. the top ticket? I mean, I'd probably say maybe even Richmond. I'm not saying at the I'm not saying at the moment. Given the prelim, like the recency of that of that prelim, I'm just just saying when it comes to Hawthorne and Geelong, no matter how good one team is and no matter how bad the other team is, they both teams always get up for it because they both want to win that game. But did they get up for it? You just said Geelong offered nothing. I mean, it was it, it was five points in the end. Both teams wanted to win. Hawthorne are obviously a much worse side than Geelong at the moment, and they still got up for it. So, yes. You are brutal. On You hate the Cats. Big time. Can, can, right. can you blame me? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't blame you. I don't hate them, though. Hey, what did you make of the Blues? Josh Toth, he tweeted in. No, sent an email, sorry. Kane Corns must be Gordo's biggest idol, judging by his knowledge on the game and hate for the baggers. Come on, you Blues. He does not I'll, like you. I'll, ca- I'll cop the hate for the baggers. I won't cop <laughs> knowledge on the game. Let's have a let's have a long-term conversation here, Josh Toth, but that's okay. We'll move on past that one. That was a very Kane Corns response. You know what? He, Kane Corns <laughs> is good at what he does, and that's get under people's skin. And I think I got under and yours you, there, you Josh, your boy. So, you're, uh, the, you're the Kane Corns of this podcast. Yeah, there we go. Um, no, credit uh, credit's due. The Blues got a win against the... Pretty poor Fremantle side, and you know they got their win. They're one and two. Let's see how they go this weekend. Nico, you, 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 your hatred for them is real. The Blues. So, what did you make of their performance on the weekend? Oh man, I, I already said it um, before when I was talking about my um, my highlight of yeah. the upsets. I, oh, I thought that uh, that was an upset. Wow. I, I, said, I said it before, weren't well, you? I listening? zoned out. No, I said <laughs> even Carlton, even though they oh, were an Carlton. underdog. They they still put up a good performance when not many people were expecting it to put in a yeah that good of a poor performance yeah mm. like right, kicked seven goals Cripps kicked two after all but and also it, even it Andy Mar said he looked like he played pissed off and that's what you wanted didn't you from Cripps he needed to return fire he a little bit couldn't be any worse than he was but at first <laughs> that's not what we need from the Blues what we need from the Blues is consistency no one doubts that the Blues can play that's good right. football no one doubts that they have good talented young players that they have a potential future at that club. What everyone does doubt is that you can never sit here on a Wednesday afternoon and get your tips in and then just calmly press Carlton and go, yep, they'll, they'll get the job done. That's no right. one was calmly mm. and without any doubt going, yep, Carlton will win that game against Freo. Freo's travelling with injuries, <laughs> and I job done. Do I was 90% players. sure they were going to win. I still do doubt a few of their players. I called a few of them passengers last week yeah. and they Who will were, be tested on Bigger occasions than playing Fremantle. They're playing Gold Coast, I think, this week. So who's a passenger that you think needs to step up against Gold Coast? I mean, it's it's plays that didn't perform last week. Like well, don't say... Plowman. Plowman, I, I know, Plowman, C- yeah. I know Cedarfield didn't play. Plowman, yes, Cedarfield didn't play. Cedarfield. You, you, you're big on Matty Jones, Dow. who I rate Jones. You don't Jones, rate him. I don't rate him. You think he's the worst footballer I think he's to overrated. ever step on the I field. I think a lot of people overrate. He's defending a bit. I don't think so. I think he leaks a, few, a couple, uh, couple too many goals. Uh, but, yeah... I think they need to step up 
when they're ex- in games they're expected to win. And yeah, like what I said, it's going to come down to consistency. Yep. Um, someone who is consistent is Nathan Weller. He always gets involved in the show. Uh, hashtag the gym session. He has asked us, boys, what do you think about this overreaction about Sydney beating Richmond? Do you think the hysteria is real and the Tigers are on the decline? Or was it just one really bad day at the office and people need to calm down a bit? Oh, do you want me to answer first? You're the Richmond. It is the biggest overreaction we've heard in a decade. I mean, Richmond are a horrible round three side. They've lost round three and then gone one of the flag. Um, like I said, at the start of the season, Sydney, Adelaide, teams that need to make a, prove a point, that's their grand final. Richmond know it's a marathon. It's a disgusting effort. You're pissed off as a fan to see that. And I was there and I was pissed off as a Richmond fan. But you're not worrying about it. I mean, if you're honestly worrying about that, you haven't watched footy long enough. Poor effort, big reality check. Boys, um, pull your finger out. Don't think you're better than you are, but I wouldn't be worrying at all. Uh, but I'd be impressed with the Swans. The way they played was fantastic. They they played a Richmond style of game, I reckon you could say. Outnumbered the contest, more pressure, hitting targets inside 50 from just work rate. So I do agree with you um, for once. regarding Richmond. But um, like pretty much, yeah, like Geelong... I think Richmond haven't shown much in the opening three rounds. Even against Hawthorne last week, you, out, you, you outplayed the Hawks in the first quarter. And I think the, the second and third quarters were very even. But, but Rich, unlike Geelong, Richmond have shown what their um, potential is. Obviously, they've shown it on the big stage, and I expect them to bounce back. So by extension then, like, uh-huh. what, is it, what does the first month matter for last year's top four sides? Like, Port got absolutely smashed by West Coast. They didn't show up, basically. Richmond didn't show up against, against uh, the Swans. Uh, Geelong has, didn't drop the games, but they arguably pulled, pulled the uh, queue in the rack in the last quarter against both the Lions and the and the Hawks. And then Brisbane's dropped That's games right. they shouldn't and, have either. Yeah, and you can and say, so, but like, what does it matter? No one's putting a line through any of them. I'm not putting a line through Richmond, but teams like Geelong, I think, have a point to prove still. And they but should in, be But coming, not in round three. Yeah, but after losing in a grand final, you would expect them to come out in the new season firing. No, I would imagine losing in a grand final, you, you're bright on the on the whiteboard, this year we win the thing, and the thing they're trying to win is the grand final, not a round three Okay, game. well, you still need to be winning games. And they and are. They're, they're two oh, and one. Lucky to I win. Think, I think lucky that the most important thing Very at the start lucky. of the season for those teams is to get a result. They're not going to... Form is not a huge thing at the start of the season for those I teams. I understand that. And we're, but we're, so okay, we can agree to disagree lucky. on Geelong. They've been very lucky. As a, as a Richmond know. fan, then, are you upset or concerned, not by the result, by... But by anything to do with like the system, like this impenetrable blueprint that nah. Richmond has, is, there's no no there's no expose. Nah. Yeah, Sydney didn't reveal how to beat. They didn't Richmond. reveal anything. They outworked them. They wanted it more. That was basically it. If you, the way they hit targets inside fifty, you're going to say that Richmond's system was, got broken down in the, in the back. It's a bad system. It's cooked. They've, they've worked it out. They haven't. They had a work rate. That's all it was. They outnumbered them at contests, and they worked harder. I mean, I, I don't think it's so broke you, it down. So you won't be worried if Richmond lose on on Friday. On Friday in Adelaide. Worried is a big word. You go to Adelaide, you're kind of not expected to come away with the win. I mean, I, I, I'm looking at more of a performance oh. than a, than a result. So did, did you expect Richmond to be two and two after round four? No, you don't expect that, do you? Oh. I think that's a cause for concern. You, you, you'd like to be concerned about a lot of things. Hey, is uh, is footy fixed is the question. Adam P. Montes, he tweeted in, now that the scoring amount is fixed with the statue on the mark rule, what rule do you think the AFL will will do to break the game again? I don't know if that was with a bit of tongue-in-cheek and um, 
if you if you serious. Well, I suppose about we already that, had it, but we've like, moved on. What's like that? the injury sub was meant to break footy. Everyone was going to cheat the system. Oh, yeah, well, and now we stopped talking about it. Two rounds in, we're like, oh, okay, that's the thing now. Yeah, well, what I'd be worried about if they're going to change is if it goes back, if coaches find a way, they've realised that it's going to be less rotation, so they want players to be more fatigued, so they're going to find ways maybe to make players more fatigued, but then they might, they'll like it spread out, so maybe, I, I do not want to see what they're going to do in the VFL, and that's having zones. So at every ball up or throw in, there has to be at least a certain number of players in each arc, that sort of thing. I just I hope it just goes like this and it's all good, and we don't have a reactive scoring Dies down a little bit just because Geelong want to play a certain style that Nick doesn't agree with. Hey, Nick, I want to ask you a question. And I'll yep. ask you as well, Gordo. Um, so, Cole Hardigan. Yeah. He punched Tom Hawkins in the back of the head late. Punched? Yeah. When? It was a late. Um, he went. It was oh, like the a spoil. spoil. Oh. So, hit him in the, the back. Ear massage. The, ear massage. The ear massage. So, I'm just. <laughs> just called it a punch. <laughs> well, he was late. It was He knew he wasn't getting the ball. Oh. It was okay. as late as anything. Yeah, it's called an ear massage. I yeah. know it's an ear massage, but you're the one last week you were saying that we need to protect the head and we need to do everything about protecting the head and it's not good enough not anymore. Ear. Oh, if you get hit, you get hit in the back of the head, I want you to look at that vision again. It's okay. Interesting, yeah. Okay. okay, so you're big on Paddy Dangerfield getting three weeks was uh, a minimum. He should have got seven according to you. I mean, the play did get knocked out. And that's yeah. a footy act with a bump, okay? Mm-hmm. And so... Hardigan's chosen. I thought it was a selfish act because there was no way he was getting there. He's given away 50 and made a certainty of it because he's frustrated. Okay? So that's a selfish act. Right? He was got nowhere near well, as know. late as Alex anything. Rans was the king of that's the That's fine. The day exactly. And, and I, got, I got frustrated. Yes, I did. <laughs> I got frustrated when Alex Rans used to do that because you're penalising the whole team for your oh. stupidity and your um, selfishness. Yeah, I mean, wh- so should a, should a player be suspended for that because you don't want – if that leads to concussion – you could smack someone in the back of the head and get concussion. I mean, there was very minimal impact. Was in it. It's, I mean, it's it wasn't a punch like you're making it out so to it be. Fore- it, was it was a big forearm. Like the front of a fist <laughs> connecting with your ear and Hawkins got straight back up, took his kick. He was walking before Hardigan could even get back up off the ground. So a bump so. is worse. Well, I think that's where oh, the where the MIP has it right, and the impact comes into play. And as and much the as impact we, is the only thing that matters, not mate, the impact. I don't so, think an ear well, massage has ever caused concussion. Well, the ever. thing is, just just to clarify, yeah. Kyle Hardigan could have pulled out a knife and stabbed Hawkins in the ribs, and he would have still had low impact. So no. we can we can clarify that. I don't think but so. but but the thing is, it's judged on the result, not the act. But I think sometimes that's what it has to be. So because like. Mm-hmm. There is inherent risk in, in football anyway, and everyone out there is a, is a willing participant when it comes to these kind of issues. And so, like, when you go up for a mark, you're knowing that you're going to get contact. And if an ear massage, as Nick says, has been part of the game forever, which kind of has, and does it need to be there? Who knows? I mean, there's a whole secret but like, on, it, on the they, they go up. No, that's hitting the ball, not the player's head, Nicko. But like, the, like a spoiling the ball is, is, is meant to be a football act. Bumping is meant to be a football act. So I think if you spoil the ball and you collect the play, it's a free kick. The free kick it was given. The guy got 50. He kicked the goal, yeah. so on, yeah. so forth. I didn't Game mind over. it. I was just curious on Nick's yeah. opinion. <laughs> oh, I, yeah, I didn't mind it either. I'm not, I mean, Hawkins was going to kick the goal anyway, was, 20 metres out, so make him earn no, it. It was, it give was him more one. than 20 metres. It was about, I reckon it was 40 metres out, Dr- 35. No, it you, was about 25, 30 metres out directly in front. Hawkins is always going to bag that. Make always. him earn it. Yeah. Make I didn't mind it at all. There you go. All right. No problems there. The last one for you boys. The D's are at three and zip for the first time since 05. Gordo doesn't like him. He thinks they're trash. If they win this week, they go four and zip for the first time since 94. Are you actually going to admit that they can be contenders if they win this week or it's irrelevant to you? It's not irrelevant. But what is relevant is who have they beaten? The Giants. They've beaten the Giants the who Dockers. you'd expect to win. 
Dockers, you'd expect the win. And the Saints, Saints. which you wouldn't have expected them to win. Was any of those three performances worthy of a shout-out? Did did they lead the headlines this week? Other than than being potentially 4-0 and for the first time in 20-odd years, no one was saying, wow, these Ds are playing great footy. They were saying, oh, that was a tough watch. You can only beat who you you play on the day. You've got to show signs, mate. As you said, Geelong's not showing signs. Richmond's not showing signs. What's wrong with a five-goal win? Well, I think the biggest. Occasions. So the biggest thing was is that they're scoring points now. They scored over a hundred points on the weekend. Against they scored who? nine it's against the Giants, which is it's still decent. Like they they could the Giants score are points. looking like a bottom four side. <laughs> yeah, well they are. You're not wrong there, but and they're they're um they've won five games in a row now. If you're counting last year, and that's currently the longest reigning win streak in the AFL. Which is why moment. this hysteria exists. Melbourne are playing decent football they, for the they first beat time They've been this week. I'm putting my house. You can bring it. You can, mate, Last you can time you had bring a, it up, Remind me. You've next actually week. got a house. He's actually got a house. So this I'll is put, it. Put, put say it here. Right. So I get your house. I'm. I'll hand it over to Jimmy. Yeah, and you can take over my rent if. <laughs> Beautiful done. Done. They're beating Geelong. Geelong. They're beating beat Geelong. Absolutely. Wow. Jesus. That's there how you go. confident I am. You're so and confident. Yeah, they're, they're a contender. They will make finals this year. They they're not play. a contender. They, they will, don't make they finals. Will. Anyone who plays finals is a contender. Not in anyone. My book. I think anyone's got a chance. No. I think the last time Melbourne played finals, they proved that point that that is not the case. Well, they made a prelim. Unless Essendon make trashed. the finals, they won't because they don't win finals. Hey, <laughs> hey Nick Hind is, yes. is underrated. Nick Hind. Now, I tell you, he hasn't conceded a goal uh-huh. against his direct opponent all season. I know it's been three games. But when you're asked to step up in Adam Sard's shoes, he's done a really, really good job. Now, you watch him, Nico. You hate the Dons, so you won't pay attention. But I reckon you I should this week. I hate the Dons, but I'm, ha- I'm happy oh, to give respect. You should give respect. Give respect to Hind. He's fantastic. I, I was talking about the upsets earlier. Lockie Again, Fogarty as well. Lessening. I thought, you know, the super coach score. He had a good super he did. coach score. He, what did he yeah, score? He had a ripping game. Oh, I don't know. 150 or 160 something like or that. something like that. Something yeah. ridiculous. And you yeah, said he, he was cooked. Game. There you go. Oh, never, Hashtag the no gym session. Please get involved in the show, guys. Any any last thoughts before we, we end? Uh, it looks like he wants to considering say something. You're, considering you're still looking to bet your house on things, Nico. Mm-hmm. What about these? So out of the undefeated sides, you got the Bulldogs, you got Sydney, you got Melbourne. Yeah. Who doesn't play finals? Um, good question. I mean, out of those three, you'd have to say Sydney because just purely based on... Where they well, is that because someone has year, to, is some, because they can't all fit? Is what you're saying? Well, if you if you think we're going to think the top four from last year, unless unless you're Nico, who thinks Geelong are cooked, no, I don't. Are going to are going to play finals <laughs> at the very least? At the very least, yeah, we're going to say West Coast are going to play finals, especially if they get you know there's no COVID alterations and they get their, all yeah, their no, home games. So there's, there's five teams. Okay, so are, are they the next three? Bulldogs, Sydney, Melbourne. No, no one else can make gonna, it out. No, Collingwood will make it. Why do you reckon Collingwood are a lock? They'll make the eight. They'll make the eight. I don't think they'll find a way. The Pies will make the eight. The overreactions in round three are hot. I love, I love it. I love this is oh, what we they, love. they were in my top four at the start of the they season. Were, they were too. Keep strong. Well, uh, Frio were in Gordo's top eight, and he's still thinking that it can happen. They should finish. <laughs> you look at the next three games, they should be round six, three and three. They could. They and could that's be. back in the hunt. Hashtag the gym session. Get involved, people. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. We'll read out all your tweets and all your feedback, and Nick will reply to all your abuse. So get involved. Um, I hope your team win- wins this weekend, unless you go for Port Adelaide. This has been the gym session. See you, fellas.